comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. now recording and this is out now with aaron and most of the time abe i am aaron but there is no abe once again if this is your second bonus episode you're listening to in one week it's because this is our second bonus episode for spider-man 2 this time we're going to do a commentary for spider-man 2 the sequel to spider-man 1 surprising uh normally out <laughs> yeah out now is normally a film podcast just talking about just talks about the new movies weekly, but yeah, this is another bonus episode. Gonna just cut to the chase pretty quickly. Joining me to talk about Spider-Man 2, we have writer for Damn Dirty Blog and a true spider slayer, Jordan Grout. Ladies, ladies, ladies. <laughs> and co-host of Legion of Dudes podcast and The Walking Dead TV podcast, and soon to be providing the voice of Mysterio in my own personal Spider-Man comic that I just made up, Jim Dietz. Why, thank you. What an honor, Mysterio! Wow. <laughs> um, all right. So. I get to wear a big fishbowl on my head. All right. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the dream of dreams, some may say. Not many. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna do this just like we did yesterday, or well, the day before for <laughs> whatever. We're gonna do this just like we did for the Spider-Man One commentary. I have this, the movie queued up at a uh, three seconds in with the Columbia logo like shining in my face and so i'm going to press play on the and all of us are going to press play when i count down from three and then on go we will press play all together it should not be any more difficult than that okay so here we go three two one go all right I hear someone. We usually so don't have trouble syncing that up when we don't have a around. Actually, yeah, that seems, that, seems, uh, that seems to be true, yes. Okay, so yeah, here we go. Spider-Man 2. Jordan, you just watched Spider-Man, correct? I did, yeah. I, well, I finished it like 10 minutes ago. What do you What do you think of Spider-Man, the first time? I, I still love it. I, I think it's fun. I, have, uh, I mean, some of the effects have not aged well. But they weren't great when the movie came out. Which also. is, yeah, we Scott and I and Jim were all talking about this yesterday when we watched the the first Spider-Man film. It that's one of my key issues with it. I do like we do we came away with thinking that yeah the film's certainly good. It's certainly a solid origin story film, a solid character drama, and it has like some good action beats. But yeah, the action is not the highlight of Spider-Man One, I would say, or at least the effects wise, the the action's not the strongest. No. But it's it's so entertaining though. It uh, for me, I can easily forgive the the shady effects. Yeah. Now speaking of shady effects, the the effects in this film certainly get an upgrade. I believe it won an Oscar for best visual effects this year for Spider-Man Two, and um, good on them because the effects in Spider-Man Two I really enjoy. I really think they're solid. Mm-hmm. I really I really like these Alex Ross paintings here at the beginning of the credit sequence. Uh, just watching Spider-Man 1 recently, I mean, it was just the credit sequence of the webs. I really like the way they, they 
uh, putting, uh, intercutting the the Alex Ross uh, sketches and paintings here to kind of tell the story of the first movie. Yeah, I, th- I found that to be very clever as well. It really adds to kind of, you know, you're watching a comic book movie, but you're also getting a recap of the first film. And it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's just that you have the scores back in again. The scores, it, I like I like the score in this film more than I like it in the first film. I like it here. It's just kind of the, it, it, feel, it has a more grand scope, I feel. That's why I like the, the score in Spider-Man 2. Oh, it's so good. It's sweeping and epic and yeah. and yeah, like the, uh, the these these paintings are all really good and they really yeah they really kind of tell the story of the first film for those that may not have been you know necessarily too familiar with the first film for whatever reason. But you know yeah, it just it provides a nice recap which I quite enjoy. Sorely missing. Plus that Alex Ross style is like I'm sorry, Jordan. The Alex Ross style is like so realistic and. Uh, Kind of Norman Rockwelly uh, old school illustration. It really, uh, it, it's not too comic booky. You know what I mean? It's a little more uh, the art's a little more grounded in the real world. For sure. So, are you going to record a commentary for the third movie? I doubt it because it'd probably be just me and you, and it's too long. I think to watch that movie. Yeah, it is a long movie. It's too long to do a commentary for. We can, we can, well, maybe we'll just, maybe we'll just sum up our thoughts on it when we get to the end of this one or something. Yeah. Although, pointing, comparing uh, title sequences, I was very disappointed in Spider-Man 3 for not having a really awesome title sequence like this movie yeah. does. Because it's just, it's like live action clips from the first two movies yeah. compared to this stuff, which is all just really fun and awesome. I, I like I like this opening transition. This opening transition is pretty cool between yeah. from the frame to Mary Jane's hair. What are you going to say, Jordan? Sorry. I said, I think... Um, Immediately, people knew that something was wrong with Spider-Man Three with with that opening. Yeah, but now that said, I believe you you and I we both like Spider-Man yeah, Three more actually, than most I, people. I, I I don't mind Spider-Man Three. Yeah, it's neither, 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 yeah, it has for sure it has problems. Scott Mendelson also agreed that we were were in the minority of people that appreciate Spider-Man Three for what it is, despite its glaring flaws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of appreciate it for what could have been i think if it had been more focused and, and they hadn't added so many things different villains and whatnot i think it, it could have been a much better movie and much uh, less cluttered and, and not so uh you know over, it seemed kind of overwrought to me and i think that would have been better if they just if rain didn't focus the movie the way he wanted to rather than having to bring in venom like this you wanted and whatnot yeah that, that's yeah, knowing the behind the scenes story it's definitely not Raimi's fault at all yeah now let's uh let's stop talking about spider-man 3 just because we can do that all day um somewhere else but uh let's go let's we because we just missed daily show correspondent asif mandiv as the pizza store owners <laughs> <laughs> but we're also going to get um i believe uh donnell rawlins from the Chappelle show he's going to come in and say hey you took spider-man's pizza which is, just makes me laugh because it's donnell rawlins from the Chappelle show so. but that's later that's 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 like three minutes from now <laughs> there are a lot of fun cameos in this there are house sparks <laughs> house, house sparks has a better cameo in the um I should mention for those that for we there he is. There's Donnell Rollins. Um, <laughs> I want to hear the line actually. That's funny to me. That's <laughs> like so stupid, but it's funny. Um, in the uh, we are watching the theatrical cut of this um, of us uh, of Spider-Man, not the um, the 2.1 version which was released on DVD later on. And um, give me two seconds. Um, 
Yeah, and yeah, you guys have not seen the extended cut of this movie, right? The, the Spider-Man 2.1 version? No. I will... Well, I was planning to tonight, but I'll probably watch it this weekend sometime. Um, yeah, I've I've watched it, and um, it's fine. It's like, it's... Wait, who is this? Who's this person? The uh, Who's this actress? Because now she looks really familiar. I don't see her face. I'll show her oh, face. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um. By the way, Peter Parker entering through a broom closet. Is that Bones? Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. Bones. yeah, I think that is Bones. It's it's bones. Says, uh, Deschanel. Uh, um, Emily Deschanel. Uh, Emily, Emily Deschanel, Deschanel yeah. Huh. I, I mean, <laughs> for, for how serious this movie gets, I do like these just random Sam Raimi bits of physical comedy involving Peter Parker. I don't understand why people always say that he, he's not witty in these movies. He he so is. I well, I don't think he's witty as Spider Man that much. He's he has moments, but I don't. I, I he's he's a good Peter Parker, but the the Spider Man part of him it, it could be better. In terms of him delivering constant quips and you know messing with his messing with the heads of his bad guys, I like it. It's fine by me. I mean, I like it, but I I I, I can see where the complaints are coming from. I just think Spider the Spider Man aspect should be more of a wisecracker yeah. than, than Toby is. Most of the most of the times he's Spider Man, it's very dramatic and. Uh, I already have J.K. Simmons coming up. Elizabeth Banks back as well. Ted Raimi's going to pop in somewhere. <laughs> Radio, Radio Rahim, as you said yesterday. <laughs> Radio Rahim's here fighting the power. I get so sucked into Spider-Man 2. I like Spider-Man 2 a lot. This is, this is like a top tier of the Marvel movies for me. I just love this movie. Now that now that Motormouth Mendelssohn's gone, we can really talk about how much we love Spider-Man too. <laughs> he had a lot of good things to say, though, man. Yeah, um, he's, I, I think up until this point, this was my favorite superhero movie. I, uh, up until the point this came out, this was what, 2004? 2004, correct. <laughs> There's Ted Raimi again. Popping in, literally like popping in out of the frame. Like that's a, it's like it's it's so slapstick. It's so like screwball comedy going on in this whole sequence involving J. Jonah Jameson and all his workers around right to the front page or something it's like uh, in one of those 40s wisecracking yeah there's just there's a confidence that i really enjoy in this movie and just how it's made how it's put together combining peter parker's inner turmoils with some of the slapstick comedy stuff and with just fantastic action sequences i'm a huge molina fan so that's how i, I think that was one of the reasons i really loved it i kept Thinking through the whole movie, throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. You know, <laughs> um, been following his career ever since then when he was pro on uh, on the BBC and whatnot. So it was really cool to see him in a starring role in a big budget movie like this. And really, I thought he really held it up to up to a point. He gets a little over the top in a certain area, but the uh, hold we'll on, the I'm sorry, the the guy that nails him in the head with the backpack is Sam Raimi, which always makes me laugh. Like he did it himself. <laughs> Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker comes in, who got just it must be sad that he doesn't get to play the lizard right now. Yeah. 
Although I you do, know, I guess, uh, at the midnight show at uh, ArcLight in the Dome, and it's, it, it was probably like one of the most enjoyable theatrical experiences I've ever had. The film Spider Man. Yeah, it was so much fun. And yeah, just seeing Kirk Connors come yeah, in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, see, seeing Kirk Connors come in and just have you know he has one arm, but it's not explained. It's just fun. It's just fun seeing these little things come into play. Oh, I agree. It's it's total uh, fan service. You know, you're like, oh, Kirk Connors. Oh God, they're gonna set the lizard. Blah blah blah. You know, all this stuff. It's like in uh, the first X Men movie where uh, off on the television they talk to Doctor Hank McCoy. You know, yeah. Just a little. Oh yeah, little yeah. Touches. Jim, were you gonna say something about seeing this movie? I, I saw the opening night, uh, Friday night open in the packed house, and a crowd that was just really into it. And I remember it being a really good uh, experience at the theater as well. Um, speaking of what Jordan was saying, yeah, I um, I also yeah saw opening night. It was awesome. I remember seeing the teaser trailer for this at the um, in Return of the King. That's where I believe that's where. Oh it yes, yeah. And because um, it was like the midnight show for Return of the King, which meant that I was going to be up till four thirty in the morning watching that movie. But yeah, the Spider Man te- two K teaser came out, and despite how illogical this se- the scene is, which we'll get to when we get to that scene in this movie, it was just like yeah, freaking Doc Ock just threw a car in the yeah, it was crazy. It was just like a lot. It was just like completely got me in the mood. I was like ready to see Spider Man too. Then I you know waited six months and then saw it. <laughs> Well, it's great about watching. We should also yeah. say that people. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, go, go ahead, go, Jim. I was gonna say from last night uh, uh, when you were asking when we figure out what movie I saw the Spider-Man trailer before, and you finally figured it out. Oh yeah, it was, it was uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. Yes, the original. <laughs> I did see that in the theater. The um, <laughs> me the, and we five were, other people. We were we were talking about the Spider-Man teaser trailer, which featured the World Trade Center buildings, and what trail what movie that premiered with, and I found out that it was oh, Final. That, yeah. It was it was Final Fantasy: Spirits Within. That was the movie that it. That's right. That's that, yeah. and which makes perfect sense to me too, given the high-profile movie that, you know, famously flopped and everything, and it's a Sony yeah. movie. That's Yeah, it was like, that's, of course, and I didn't see that in theaters, too, so that's why I didn't remember it. So. Getting back to the uh, teaser trailer, what was funny about um, when I saw Return of the King, they showed the Spider-Man teaser trailer, everyone cheered, and then they showed the, the Son of the Mask. <laughs> everyone booed the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the Venn diagram is overlapping of people that saw Return of the King and people that saw Son of the Mask. <laughs> good target target marketing there on somebody's part. And here we go. More uh, Peter Parker dealing with life. Aunt May has problems with bills. Peter Parker's getting harassed by... <laughs> by, by Harry and Mary Jane about never seeing them. Peter Parker was fired. Peter Parker has trouble at school. Like, it just dumps on Peter Parker in this movie. It could have been called Spider-Man, how Peter Parker got his groove back. <laughs> okay, so I, I made a brief mention to the 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 uh, Spider-Man 2.1 cut, which I guess I can talk about a little bit more. I've seen that cut, and um, I have no preference between the two, between this theatrical version and the and the extended cut, which is about it's about like uh, 12 minutes longer, I believe. And uh, like the scenes that are in it, it uh it just adds little little character moments that are kind of neat. There's one for Mary Jane that's actually a pretty good one. It makes me like Kirsten Dunst a little bit more. 
And there's some like extended action bits and the scene with the uh, house sparks, Jordan, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a longer version of that. That's actually pretty entertaining. Oh, now I got to watch it. Yeah. Watch it now. I'm disappointed. They didn't release the extended cut of uh, part three. Was there an extended cut of that? I remember there's scenes deleted and st- yeah, I guess, yeah, cause there's more involved. There's, well, there's, there's a whole alternate version of why Venom and Sandman team up, I believe. Right. Yeah. I heard, I've been hearing rumors for years that there's like a three hour and 10 minute version of that film that Sony just won't release for some reason. I'd buy it. I'd be curious. I remember the game, I think reflected the, um, the Spider-Man three game reflected the, that version of the story where like, why? Cause like Venom, I believe kidnaps Sandman's child in that version. And that's yep. why he teams up with him. And, uh, that would that would I like that more than um, that's right. I like that more than Topher Grace being like I hate the spider, you hate the spider. We should fight him together. Like that was the whole logic for them teaming up. Yeah, there's a lot more with his family and even um, what's his name, um, Babe James Cromwell. Oh, Captain Stacy. Like yeah, you mean there's a reason for him to be in the movie? Yeah. There's a lot more with him I've right. I've heard from Ted. So that's, so that's a lot more Spider-Man two. Let's let's go back to Spider or Spider-Man three. Let's go back to Spider-Man two. Here we go. I assume that Mary Jane was probably just you know beaten out of her house again by her drunken father, and they're talking. I think that's that's how the scene's. We have this exact same scene in Spider-Man one. Yeah. When they're in the backyard and she's been thrown out of the house by the drunken father, yada yada yada. Yeah. You know? The first time they actually talk actually is very much like this scene. And like. Mary Jane is just, like, throwing herself at Peter at this point, and he's just not doing anything about it. And, yes, her hair looked way better in Spider-Man 1 than it does in Spider-Man 2. Why are his eyes so bloodshot? Because he doesn't get any sleep. He's Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Gotcha. He's, he's tired all the time. He's got he's got to go to work. He's got to go to school. He's got to be Spider-Man. He's got to steal those guys' pizzas. That is a pretty active lifestyle, I must admit. He's probably having, you know, he's probably banging chicks left and right, right? Am I right? Right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Woo! I believe, um, I can probably find I'm this. Stop, Romesius! <laughs> <laughs> I think I could find this in the IMDb trivia, but I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Black Cat was supposed to be a big part of Spider-Man 2 originally as well, and they just kind of deleted that out of the script. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, early drafts of the script featured Black Cat and the Lizard and Harry as the new Goblin. It was suggesting to cut down the number of costume characters to just Doc Ock and Spider-Man. I didn't know that Al- Alvin Sargent wrote The Amazing Spider-Man as well. Yeah, I think, well, because I, I know, um, what, James Vanderbilt's, what's his yeah. name? The guy, that, Van, the guy that wrote Zodiac. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he has, he had the main, well, because he, he was writing Spider-Man 4, and then that went nowhere. Right. And so, he took, a, I think he, yeah, he joined with uh, Alvin Sargent for. Oh, awesome. Well, that gives me some hope. Two great writers. At least it's only two. I mean, any any script anymore that has three or more, I'm a little hesitant. It just seems, you know, uh, you know the script was passed from script, screenwriter to screenwriter in a desperate attempt to keep it alive, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that works out sometimes. Like, um, 
Iron Man was written by like four different people, but two sets of people. Like another, like two sets of writers they handled kind of one half, and then two sets of writers handled another half, and that kind of combined. And it worked. That seemed to work out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you're saying for sure. Something like Cowboys and Aliens, for example, last year, which had like seven different writers on it, was a mess. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. James Vanderbilt, Alvin Sargent, and Steve Cloves, who adapted all the Harry Potter books. Oh yeah, that's right. They all huh. worked, they all worked on uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Huh. Okay, so now we have the, the Russian apartment family, sorry, Eastern European slash possibly Russian apartment family and Vito from The Sopranos all hanging out together. And Spider-Man gets into, sorry, Peter Parker gets into his crappy apartment. <laughs> God, Alvin Sargent has such a wacky filmography. <laughs> he's like because he's a he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, I believe. Right? Yeah. It's like, what about Bob? Story credit, hero, bogus, <laughs> ordinary people, of course. Anywhere, anywhere but here. <laughs> the Natalie Portman movie. <laughs> yeah, unfaithful, and then Spider Man two, three, and amazing. Spider <laughs> I believe he was. Um... Is, I think he was married to Laura Ziskin, the producer of the Spider-Man series, and she passed away just recently, which was unfortunate. Uh, I'm pretty, let me make sure I'm not making that up. I'm pretty sure that's true, though. Okay, not married, but they were... Oh, yeah, they were married, yeah. They were, li yeah, they were living together for quite a while, and yeah, they were together, and so she being the producer of the Spider-Man series, as well as many other movies, she was... I believe, like, her and... Um, a few others are like among the top like female producers like ever like but uh yeah i guess she you know brought in her pulitzer prize winning husband to deal with this multi-billion dollar franchise i mean yeah if you're gonna get someone to write it might as well get him yeah so let's talk about uh this stuff right here because this is pretty good they have um alfred molina and toby mcguire dr octavius and peter parker you know forming a bit of a relationship here. And, you know, Peter's seeing kind of a new father figure type character going on. All right, I'll continue. The, um, <laughs> I, I like these two. Oh, together. sorry. Yeah, it's all right. I, I like these two together. It's, it's a very, I, it's a very positive and warm relationship, which of course takes a pretty outlandishly comic booky turn, but the, these scenes are really good, and I think it strengthens what Scott was saying a lot for the first in the first Spider-Man film. That these at these at the core, these films are really good character dramas. They work very well on that level. Oh, absolutely. I I totally agree. These on this dialogue here, like you say with Lena and uh, and Parker, he really hasn't had any. You know, after I mean, losing Uncle Ben in the first movie, now there's someone who's not only a father figure but appreciates how smart he really is. You know that kind of thing. Um, it just uh, and it's setting up, like you say, for the act, uh, all the the pathos that goes with it. You know? For sure, and uh, you have a scene like this where, and uh, yeah, once again, it was mentioned that Peter Parker manages to take away like the worst advice every time he kind of gets some advice in the first film. He decided after having a heartfelt conversation with Mary Jane, he'd buy a car to impress her. And in this scene, he's going to have this great conversation with Doctor Octavius and his lovely wife, and then he's going to try and read random bits of poetry to Mary Jane to impress her once again. <laughs> and 
and yeah, these two, they just get it. Like these, these two actors, like Alfred Molina and the actress that plays his wife that I can't, that I can't think about. Donna Murphy. Donna Murphy. There we go. From the, Star Trek Insurrection. Thank you. The, thank you for all that. The, um, it's nice. It's nice chemistry here. I mean, you have another like, you know, two, three minute scene, but I think you get enough out of it where you, you like these people that you're meeting. Again, I, 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 lo- I love Molina. Um, I, I, just about everything I've seen, and I really enjoyed his work. I, except for the television series he's done recently, I've missed that. But um, this this actress kind of reminds me of like a slightly older Maya Rudolph in a weird way. Actually, yeah, I can see that. That's... So, so Peter, Peter, he's a long fellow. Come on, man. You need to get the good stuff. He's a song of Hiawatha. <laughs> I like how he's brought he's brought all four of these poetry books to the laundromat. Like he's gonna go through all of them right now, I guess. Yeah, you know the ladies love the Hiawatha. Yep. And now he's carefully checked that ominous man that's like has his back to him in order to make sure he doesn't see a Spider-Man costume in the dryer. <laughs> And he's ruined his boxers. Well, I mean, I'd wear if I if my boxers had blue and red on them, I wouldn't mind. That's not bad, right? It's not like it's not like he's getting any, or is he? Am I right? Ah. <laughs> Cutaway gag, boom, suit. <laughs> now we get the obligatory soundtrack song. Yep. That said. I was looking at the tracks for the spider, the various Spider-Man soundtracks. They're not bad. They're like kind of, kind of alternative. Kind of got some neat. Uh, the first one was kind of cool, just because I was like, oh, it's got a, a lot of bands I kind of like on here, and the one Chad Kroger song that I hate. It's funny the uh, score for Spider-Man Two. The only actual song it has is the you know, raindrops are falling on my head. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they figured if... Hold on, hold on. Important important thing here. Bruce Campbell cameo coming up. Okay, what's your favorite Bruce Campbell cameo in Spider-Man films? Oh, it's it's the second one. The third one's yeah. funny and stuff, but the second one, Bruce Campbell has an amazing bit where he... And, uh, where he, I, I saw on YouTube where he's at some convention or some Q&A or something, and he talks about his role. He talks about his upcoming... It was like before Spider-Man 3 came out, and he's talking about... Um, his relationship to Spider-Man in those films, and so in, like in the first film, he ta- he he boasts that he he named Spider-Man, which was amazing. And then he in the um, in the second film, he st- he prevented Spider-Man from getting in to see Mary Jane, thus making him the only person to have ever defeated Spider-Man, which that made me crack up. <laughs> so, and it's true, right? He's he's, yeah. he's the only person to have defeated Spider-Man. This is good. This is a good scene, right? Where he, where he avoids the cops and tells kids to eat their veggies. I'd like to think that those kids are probably now drug dealers. I'm sorry. That's bad. That's a bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> Some gritty violence going on, by the way. A shotgun blast to a cop car. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's smoking a bandit. Actually, come to think of it, I remember being quite surprised by this just because I didn't see it coming. I was like, oh, there's a web there. That's cool. (laughs) 
Oh, isn't that Joy Bryant? It's Joy Bryant, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> huh. And here we go. Just like spidey confidence of him swinging through the air. Like, it's just cool. It's just, it's, it, it, it looks great this time around. Like, everything about this movie just, like, it, it what is this, since 2004? Is this eight years old now? It looks great. This is a great looking movie. The effects are much improved, especially the Spidey swinging around. For sure. Uh, the CGI stuff looks much, much more textured, much better. It's the CGI, and it's the um, just yeah. It, it feel there's a realist. There's a it feels more real. It feel it doesn't feel kind of like in the first one when he's hopping around. It just it doesn't feel like there's any weight to Spider-Man. This one it really it really feels like they they double down on the having the weight go on. And you really get the get the rhythms of in, in seeing him in action and like feel it. I do like that he arrived in the car. That was funny. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. I assume Jordan's drinking whiskey. I think that's what I just heard. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Appropriate for Bruce Campbell. Here we to be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> You can have your own little drinking game, Bruce Campbell cameos, uh, with all three movies. But I, I have to agree with what you said on our Spider-Man One commentary. I think after thinking about it, my favorite Bruce Campbell cameo is his tutorial at the beginning of the Spider-Man video games, where he yeah, tells that, that what is, to do. That's it's pretty all great. And stuff. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's that is pretty great. I believe he does it for all three games, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, but I, I remember it specifically from the first Spider-Man. So. And any um, death proof. Is Vanessa Ferlito? It is from Death Proof. Vanessa Ferlito. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, like fire? What is it, like Firefly? Or is it like uh, there's like a phrase that they're supposed to say to her when you like you know, like meet her for the the lap dance thing in Death Proof that I can't think of it all. <laughs> She has a she's she's in one of the key scenes that's like in the extended cut actually Vanessa Perlito. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. She's dating the she, Mary Jane's dating the the space the the J. Jonah Jameson son, the astronaut. <laughs> nice POV shot there. I do like the idea of Spider-Man's kind of his powers wearing off because of stress. I think that's, I think it works. It's a little inconsistent given that he loses his web power, but still has the super strength. So he doesn't, you know, die from falling like 34 is just then, but. But it's a neat way to kind of, 
pile on the problems that Parker has. And we could also assume that since Spider-Man just failed in stopping the bad guys, that those bad guys probably just killed like three other people, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're dead. There's there's bloodbath because Spider-Man didn't act. But here's how Sparks. Here's the scene. I think it's safe to say that this only proves that Spider-Man's about probably like five, five eight, since Hal Sparks is not a tall man. <laughs> this is actually even though there's a funny house park scene in the the other version of this film. I like I prefer this one better just because I like the awkward silence more than House Sparks cracking jokes. And piling on to Peter Parker even more, Mary Jane is everywhere. <laughs> Entire buildings covered with Mary Jane's face for miles. I like this. Sam Raimi originally intended the film to maintain an aspect ratio of 1851, like Spider-Man. However, when he realized that in order to have Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man in the same shot, the frame would need to be wider in order to accommodate Dr. Octopus's mental, ten mental tentacles. So Sam Raimi upgraded the ratio to 235, which is preferred by me. I like that. Good old widescreen. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, which is basically the reverse for Alien. In aliens, because that the first alien was two thirty-five, while the second one was in one eighty-five, and it's just it always seems noticeable to me where I'm like James Cameron's aliens could have been really cool. I think if it was in two thirty-five, <laughs> even cooler. It's a fuck. It's a great film. <laughs> it's aliens. I wonder if uh, Michael Chabon's first uh, draft is online. I'd like to read it. There's another guy with a weird set of credits. He has uh, he, had, he did Wonder Boys, which is a great, which is I guess fitting because that's Tobey Maguire's in that film. But that's a great movie. Mm -hmm. Spider Man Two. And there was based on a Michael Chabon novel, and he was one of the people that had a hand in the screenplay, I believe. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's. And uh, John Carter also recently. I think it's interesting that Robert De Niro, Sam Neill, Ed Harris, and Chris Cooper were all considered for Otto Octavius. Imagine Robert De Niro. That, that would have been great. <laughs> his Bronx, oh, I don't know. His Bronx, his Bronx accent is Dr. Otto Octavius. That would have been hilarious. These tentacles? These tentacles right here? 
That's more Harvey Cantel. Parker, I hear things. I hear things, Parker. I hear things. More interesting, Jerry O'Connell is John Jameson. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. I don't know how he couldn't have gotten to this movie. Is that B.D. Wong in the background? Yes. Yes, the B.D. Wong, the Wongster. <laughs> the right Wong. <laughs> okay, so this is a great like just the idea of he has to put these th this this like tentacle hardest to him and it just all these injections at once and the the audience reaction shot it I always like that which is ooh. Here it comes. Yeah, it's not quite fused with him yet. Oh. <laughs> you think he's done that more than once? He must have, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe twice. <laughs> what? There's definitely Danny Elfman music in the background. Yes, too. for sure. It's a whole uh, very Tim Burton-y. What accompanying something very weird going on in the foreground. Like a man with controlling tent mental tentacles attached to his body. He's explaining to us the, the Neuralink, of course, and obviously nothing can go wrong because he's explaining the thing that, you know, needs to be working in order for him to control things properly. <laughs> The inhibitor chip. Probably want to, I don't know, make something, something more sturdy than that little thing in the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one tiny little chip yeah. is going to keep you from being controlled by these metal tentacles. With, with I no, might, you with, know, I might guard that, or you know, with no protection or anything, you know, just like <laughs> it works out. At least put a cover over it, you know, a bandaid or something. It's okay. He's only harnessing the power of the sun inside of an apartment building, <laughs> so it's not like it needs to be worried about caution. What, what, what was that? Unotanium? Is that what he had? The best part about this, though, is the arms, they aren't the discovery. It's the, the energy from the little uh, miniature Sonny's going to build. It's like, that's not enough. No, wait, we're also going to build. <laughs> it's not enough that perfected machine interface in such a uh, in, you know, detailed state. No, no, no. That's not what we're here to see. Alfred Molina, who plays Dr. Octavius, actually gave names to his four mechanical tentacles, Larry, Harry, Flo, and Moe. Flow was the top right tentacle because it was operated by a female grip, and that particular tentacle was the most motherly, which removed his sunglasses and gave him sips of his drink. That's not BD No, it's not. That's uh, that's uh, that's a uh, gin. Is that was he on Hawaii? Uh, the reboot of Hawaii? Five, uh? Yeah, that's gin. That's gin from Lost. Yeah, that, oh. was, that wasn't B.D. Wong at all. Oh, now I just feel like a racist. It was the wrong Wong. You were Wong. <laughs> you see what I did there? Uh, I, yeah. I know. 
Daniel Day Kim is the character, is the actor's name. Sorry, 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 people. The few people that are listening to this commentary and just horrified by our confusion between B.D. Wong and <laughs> Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> in fairness, he's only in a few brief shots. But it's an important role. I mean, without him, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so. Also, uh, Dr. Octavius' wife meets, like, horrific tragedy in the way she dies. Like, it's not enough that she gets killed by all this, but, like, horrific shards of glass destroy her body. <laughs> we don't see this, of course, but it's pretty sad. <laughs> Also, Harry acts like a fool in this movie. <laughs> Some of the names they were considering for this was were terrible. Like Spider-Man No More, Spider-Man Two Lives, Spider-Man Unmasked. <laughs> yeah, those don't really none of those really fit. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. And that's a horrific death for his wife. That's a total Sam Raimi moment there with the reflection in the glass. Yeah, very, like, there's a cartooniness to it, but it's serious at the same time. Yeah, very, it has an Evil Dead tinge. Oh, there goes a tiny inhibitor chip. That's the end of that tale. I love the hospital scene. Yeah, that's that's the most oh. that's the most Sam Raimi per, per version oh, like yeah. scene in the film where it just yeah. yeah, just complete mayhem. We'll get to that. Let's let's get let's focus on Harry Osborn and his key line right here. I'm rude. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's, a little, it's like way over the top with everything he has to do. <laughs> Although, is this all one shot? It's like a good winner. I think it was, right? Like everyone, yeah. you just saw like every, yeah, every, so. every person in that shot right then. That was actually pretty cool. <laughs> What were the like the blue tarps covering the tentacles supposed to do? Make them creepy. I... <laughs> you say that every time we cut something off of somebody, Doctor. I know, I'm a jokester. <laughs> <laughs> the shots are amazing. Yeah, this is, this is, yeah, this is all pure Sam Raimi filmmaking right here. All of this stuff that happens, which is of course horrifically violent, but also very entertaining to watch. Well, it's cool how he took something that was kind of goofy in the comic book, you know, mechanical arms. I mean, the way they were drawn Silver Age style when, when the character was first created, and really make them terrifying and really, you know, bring the, up the threat level of Doc. You know, Doctor Octopus seems kind of. You know, silly and you know, very silver agey or whatever. But this version is 
you know, horrifying and violent and, and dangerous and a real threat. It, it is all those things, but it's just really like wild and creative and just, yeah, like the chainsaw shot. Oh, I love all, that shot. All these things are just like, <laughs> this is so like, it's this like campy horror movie it's mixed with like comic book things. And yeah, it's, it's also like, it's ground, it's, it's certainly taking the idea of having a man that has mechanical arms a little bit more seriously because they are in fact deadly things that are attached to his body. But it's this oh look at now this POV shot from the arms is total perfect. Evil dead. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff is just fantastic. <laughs> and of course, you top it off with the old no to the no into the camera. You give him a good Darth Vader no. <laughs> At least it wasn't an upshot, right? Yeah, I love all like, the strobe lighting too. Yeah, like that. The, <laughs> he's ruined it. He's ruined the hospital. So disco, you know. <laughs> And once again, plenty of upper body male nudity going on in this film. It's cla classic Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I'd imagine that was very comfortable to wear. Oh, look, an abandoned sea dock building thing. Perfect. And here we go, back into J. Jonah Jameson's office. I think Ted Raimi's going to pop into frame again. It'll just be great. <laughs> Highlighting the comic aspect of Otto Octavius getting eight arms. <laughs> and Ted Raimi just being funny. <laughs> J.K. Simmons is fantastic in this movie. It, it's all the way through. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect casting. And I'm pretty, like, I, I don't know why, but they have a shot where Robbie, like, it seems like he clearly knows that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same person. <laughs> it, it, it had, it had a, like, it, it held the camera on his eyes at that moment, like, just focusing on Parker. I think it's, like, I don't know, I don't know why, but they, they did. That was a weird dissolve. Right? Yeah. Interesting transition. Yeah, it was like, okay. <laughs> I guess they're on water. Now he breaks into song. This is where, yeah, this is where he sings his quartet with each of the tentacles. The love theme. From <laughs> the love theme of Spider-Man <laughs> Spider-Man. 
Sam Raimi chose Alfred Molina after seeing Raimi's wife after Raimi's white wife watched Frida. Another solid movie that he's in. Hmm. <laughs> he's great in Frida. He'll be great as Doc. <laughs> get, get him on the phone. Give me, give me Molina. Right. <laughs> I want more Molina right now. <laughs> According to DP Bill Pope, even though the film primarily uses Super 35, 16 large format cameras were brought in to shoot exterior of the subway train scene to cover every angle of the train. All six Panavision Super 65 cameras were brought in and used for the first time since Far and Away together, and an eight Perf iWorks camera, four RE4035 cameras, and eight VistaVision cameras. With an array of these three joined up to create a large dimension view. Just saying. Also, the character of Hoffman, played by Ted Raimi, is only seen in Jonah's office and he's never seen entering through a door but always appears from off-screen. Two unrelated facts, but interesting nonetheless. Doc Ock also dresses like a hobo, just saying. Because he is a hobo, I guess. Right? Well, it's better than the... Yeah, but it's better than the green jumpsuit from the comics, you know? He's better than the green jumpsuit. Kind of like... Uh... He looks like uh, he dresses like Joel Robinson, but in in pea soup green. Yeah, it's it's you know? better. It's better. It's, it is it is better than the comics, and it's certainly better than Green Goblin's costume in the first movie. Amen to that. Wait, what was it about the costume? And Sorry. Now he's going to monologue to himself. Uh, we were stating that the the uh, Doc Ock costume in this film. Who is is what is that right there? Who is that? That's, oh, that's um, from Community. What's Is that Joel McHale? Yeah. Joel <laughs> McHale, yep. Oh, he's in Ted as well. Huh. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite bits where, like, Aunt May just kicks him for, like, on accident instead of Peter. Is that Joel McHale? Yeah. I guess so, yeah. It looks like it. It's like because he's. I like, remember they made a joke about it on, on the stoop actually um, about you know Spider Man Two's Joel McHale and they show this this one clip. <laughs> he's like slightly younger, but like his hair is different also because it's not like he's not trying to look hip. He's just looking like a bank guy. <laughs> anyway, we were saying yeah, the Doc Ock costume is much better in this film than the comics. Well, I mean it's 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 it it works in a realistic world in this film, and it's much better than Green Goblin's costume in the first. Oh film. yeah. That, that costume. Well, the problem with the, the whole character in general is that it didn't feel threatening. No, And the yeah. costume is so lackluster. Especially when you have Willem Dafoe, who's, like, fantastic as Norman Osborn, and they oh, have sure. this ridiculous tight costume with this weird mask that you can see the mouth in. Like, it's just... Eh. Have you seen the uh, test footage of Willem Dafoe from the first one? I have watched that. And, man, dude's scary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we now we're getting to our like our first like big fight sequence between Spider-Man and Doc Ock, and these fights are fantastic. I love these fights. There's uh, they feel like they feel fully realized. They're really like it all. It always feels like I really want Spider-Man to like not get hurt in these fights because of the the kind of the weight that you see and the the added boost in the special effects and just the fact that they're pummeling each other. 
Like they're oh yeah, they're vicious. Yeah, you feel them, especially when you go outdoors. There's going to be a scene coming up where like they they start to fall from a building and they're just literally punching each other in midair and the score drops out completely and all you hear is just them wailing on each other, and it's just it's awesome. Like these fights are fantastic. Now wait a minute, is, is what does Mario do? Mario and Luigi keep their money there. Why is it all gold coins? <laughs> Is that leftover from the Scott Pilgrim movie? I mean, what? <laughs> One thing's for sure. Joel McHale could not have a coin because Aunt May stopped him. Also, desks. <laughs> Remember, desks don't kill people. People kill people. I like this right here. It's Spider-Man does some flips. Whoop! Huh. Oh. The cops were just in time. Well, I guess they had ample time. I'll just grab this random old lady. <laughs> There's like a bunch of moderately attractive women in an office place. <laughs> like all this stuff. Actually, there's another like pure Ramy scene where woman screams into camera. <laughs> Nice. I love this camera angle here. You know, they're both, you know, both of them standing, you know, perpendicular to the ground. It's great. Yeah, I do love this Butterfingers. Like that's 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 more quippy than Spider-Man is in this movie. And yeah, it's pretty, you know, convenient. Aunt May gets involved. Stanley, oh, Stanley, Stanley cameo. It's pretty convenient that Aunt May gets involved in an action sequence like this, but it works. Like, it's fun. It, it, it helps. It, it adds to the drama in, a, in true comic book form. Okay, here's the here's the fight where they're just going to start falling off the building, and, like, the score drops out. It's just perfect. Just right here. It's just, these two are just going at it. It's awesome. Like... And yeah, it's really fully utilizing just the capabilities that both of these characters have with Spider-Man and Doc Ock were both capable of, you know, running on the sides of buildings and Doc Ock using his tentacles the way he could be and trying to dispatch Spider-Man and Spider-Man using his web-slinging abilities to, you know, toss himself around and throw web balls at Doc Ock and use the webbing and everything. It's just, all this stuff is really, it's just really well thought out. Nice zooms there too on Spider-Man and Doc Ock. Yeah, it never loses focus of this kind of the zaniness of like a 40s kind of screwball co I mean this is obviously not comedic but just kind of that old fat has an old fashioned style that feels like a comic book and also you know just has kind of Sam Raimi sensibilities all in it it's it's, it's a good movie <laughs> Aunt May ruins Doc Ock's awesome sunglasses So what are your thoughts from wow. people saying that this, this is up there in terms of number two in a franchise with like Empire Strikes Back and Wrath of Khan? Are you asking about sequels in general? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Well, when this came out, a lot of people said, you know, it's up there with Empire and Khan in terms of like the, the second installment of a franchise. Yeah, I would I would agree with well, that. I think it's one of the proofs of the second, uh, you know, the good sequel rule. Mm -hmm. You know, like you say, like Khan, like Empire Strikes Back, like The Dark Knight, 
Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you had to prove that rule, it would definitely be one of them. Watching it again, I don't think I've really seen it since probably it came out on DVD, and uh, I forgot how, how great it, it really is. I'm really enjoying uh, catching up with it after all this time. It's, um, you know, as, as regard to a sequel, I mean, Empire kind of, that's kind of an anomaly. It's got, you can't really, it's hard to compare things like that to that extent. But in terms of sequels in general, yeah, this certainly falls into that good, it's a very good sequel that improves upon its predecessor, its predecessor, I believe. And it does fall into like where it seems like comic book movies in general, to a certain extent, I believe have mostly good sequels. There's a few exceptions that I can, we can make note of, but I, I think movies like this, Dark Knight, obviously, um, the, uh, the, um, uh, like Blade, X-Men 2. X-Men 2, Hellboy 2, Blade 2, Ghost Rider, Ghost Spirit, Rider, of Spirit of Vengeance, <laughs> even Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surfer. I think like all of those movies kind of, it's because they don't have to deal with the origin aspects of like the, the, those constraints of the first film where they really have to, you know, tell the story again. You got to really get you and, you know, know who this character is. It just kind of has freedom to expand upon the world that was built the first time around. And I think this, this movie is one of those pinnacle examples of that. Marvel Classic Continuity, he became Man-Wolf because of his trip to the moon. He bonded with some sort of uh, crazy moonstone and uh, became a a werewolf, but kept his own personality. And uh, I think that's where he still is in regular Marvel Continuity, but um, I don't think, you know, obviously they didn't really uh, use the character as a full-up to Parker for Mary Jane's affection. Yeah, John James, and yeah, he becomes the man wolf, and yeah, it's it's not uh, it's it feels more like a just a hey, we kind of know this, but we're not going to do it kind of thing. It never really gets expanded upon, of course, just because <laughs> why do man wolf when the the stable of Spider Man villains that are available? But yeah, it's cool. I, that I remember there, there was there was some. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go go continue, Jim. Uh, I was just going to say I remember when, uh, when there was speculation at the time on the internet when after this came out that that was going to presage the Venom uh, story in, in Spider-Man 3. That was a, that John Jameson in this was a setup for the, the Venom storyline as it was presented in the cartoon, which is kind of a, you know, shorthand version of the symbiote story from the comics. Which would have been... But, I mean, that, that was part of the, Yeah. That would have been acceptable. Like, I would have enjoyed seeing that kind of... Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the Spider-Man cartoon series on from Fox Kids. That version of it, yeah, it went with the John Jameson goes to space and brings back the symbiote, which is a... That's a that's a that's a, certainly a less complex way of doing it compared to the actual way in the comics that Venom comes about, and I would have I would have liked to see that version in Spider-Man Three if they wanted to really flesh out the the story of Venom and not just kind of throw it in haphazardly like they ended up doing. Yeah. A meteor crashes onto Spider-Man's bike, and there's goo, and she, like honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, Goes Mary Jane, just waxing poetic about her eternal triumph struggles with Peter Parker. And Peter Parker can't catch a break at all. <laughs> no food, no drinks.
With a budget of $200 million, this movie shared the record for most expensive U.S. movie ever made with Titanic until it was beaten by King Kong and other movies since then. Harry well, freaks out now, and it's really upsetting. Bitch slap. <laughs> Did you ever watch James Franco's Guide to Acting on Funny or Die? I have, and it's funny just because now Dave Franco is an actual actor, opposed to just seeing yeah. him in those random skits. <laughs> But I love how he uh, freeze frames on that one shot yeah. of him slapping Peter. <laughs> Lee F. Schreiber was considered for the part of Dr. Octopus. That would have been good. Yeah. I mean, Lee Schreiber's awesome. <laughs> Molina's, you know, great also. I mean, obviously, so it's no harm, no foul, but. Yeah, Schreiber's going to pretty much everything he's in. I, I, I think he was a good saber tooth. Yeah. Wolverines, we can talk about that another day, but that's also a movie that I like more than other people do, even though it has terrible problems. Yeah, there are some, some flaws there. I think, I, I think, I keep, because if Wolverine came out in the 80s, it would have been an amazing movie. That movie's such like a guy macho movie extravaganza that if that movie came out like in the Reagan 80s, everyone would have loved Wolverine. <laughs> but who would have started in it back then? Like Chuck Norris or uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. No, no I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't matter. You just literally time travel that movie back to 1980s because the effects are on par with some 80s movies in some scenes and it's perfect. Yeah. You're like, who's this guy in this movie? Don't worry. You're, you, you'll, you'll know him in the future. But for now, just enjoy Wolverine, guys. <laughs> this is one of my... This makes me laugh every time I see it right here. Spidey and Doc Ock Rob Bank. That, that's like... This is like, how do we make Parker feel even worse? Have this horrendous, like, this tagline of just J. Joe Jameson just attacking Spider-Man. He's in his costume without his mask. He fell off a wall. He falls up against a slimy dumpster. And what does he find? I'm very curious as to what Amazon shipping account Doc Ock used to get all this equipment here. Acme. 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 <laughs> well, Peter Parker, it appears that you have a tumor. What? <laughs> Who's that person? Let's look up this cast. Who is this? It seems you can do whatever Spider can. Yeah, you have an odd number of, of weird things going on in your body, Mr. Parker. <laughs> Huh. John, uh, John Landis was one of the doctors that operates on Dr. Octopus. Did, hmm. did not notice that. But, huh. John Landis, the director. 
Director John Landis? Yes, wow. yes, Director John Landis. Who's, of course, his whose son, Max Landis, wrote Chronicle earlier this year. And wasn't he involved in that great uh, Death of Superman uh, web video that was going around? Yes, he was. Did he yeah, have Max, some sort of involvement in that? Yeah, Max Landis wrote and directed the whole Death of Superman short video and got a lot of his random Hollywood friends like Elijah Wood and Mandy Moore to be in it. And it's a very entertaining look at the death of Superman. And I read that he's going to direct the Fantastic Four reboot. Yeah, well, the, the director of Chronicle is uh, Josh Trank. Oh, oh, okay. But, Never mind. But I believe that they are making a Chronicle 2, and I think Josh Land, jo uh, Max Landis is involved with that. Hmm. Nice to see uh, uh, Cliff Robertson come back for this scene as Uncle Ben, just because it's such a warm character. I really like the, I mean, you only got so much time with Uncle Ben, but I really like this portrayal of him. No, is he sitting in the same car? Yeah, I assume this is. The, the Remy Oldsmobile in the last scene that he saw him alive in on Spider-Man 1? This has to be the Oldsmobile. It looks like he's sitting in a, a car seat there. Let's see. Maybe. I don't know. Actually, it, it, I don't think it actually pans out, so it might be just a random car seat. No, no. I like to think that he probably brought it into like a soundstage, just filmed it. It's clearly it's clearly a roof on top, so you know it's, they're sitting in something. This is quite heartbreaking too, because Cliff Robertson's like always on the verge of tears as Uncle Ben, and Peter Parker's just saying no to him. Also, not for nothing, but Spider-Man ditching his costume. I mean, I know, yeah, that's an iconic, like, comic shot and everything, and it, it looks great, but Peter Parker's not going to leave his costume in, like, the middle of an alley somewhere, right? <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah, I think that was uh, Spider-Man Spider uh, issue number 50. Uh, that was actually called Spider-Man No More. I think that's what they're basing this on, that iconic shot of him walking away from the trash can with the Spider-Man costume in it, and then, you know, Spider-Man superimposed over the Peter Parker walking away from it in Sunset. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's pretty iconic. Comic yeah, very iconic indeed, but, I mean, let's not, let's not leave our costume lying around, right? But, yeah, we do get the raindrops are falling on our head montage. I like this montage. Jordan, do you like this montage? Oh, I love it. Jim, do you like this montage? Of course. And I think we we all know it's because of obviously the um, the freeze frame at the end. I think that's what does it. That's what <laughs> that's what brings this thing together because it's amazing. I like all the silly montages in the Spider-Man movies. Like the first one with um, all the people talking about Spider-Man and. Uh, the second one with this one, and then even the third one with him. The third one, I don't. Th not enough people get why that's amazing because it, it is. Peter Parker's supposed to be like a dark character, or no? I mean, he's supposed like he's supposed to, like the symbiote's supposed to have made him into a dark character, but he's Peter Parker, so he can't be a dark person, and so mm -hmm. it's just still nerdy Parker who happens to be trying to be dark, and so seeing a montage of him doing those kind of things <laughs> is like amazingly ridiculous. It's so perfect, and like it's great seeing like Tobey Maguire like completely like not caring about like his you know not having self-esteem issues because he like went for it he like 
starts doing hip thrusts and oh, <laughs> so great. trying to like be emblematic of like John Travolta and like Saturday Night Saturday Night <laughs> Fever. The the dancing scene that's that's a different story, but I do like the, the emo Peter Parker montage. Pretty hilarious. I still like the dancing scene too. I yeah, I mean that's I let's go hold on freeze frame. <laughs> nice very nice it's so perfect but yeah the um the dance scene that's a whole other like i can see why it's there it's way too ridiculous i think for the type of story that they're trying to tell in that movie but it's still kind of funny but completely out of place in a lot of ways also but that's that's a different conversation <laughs> Director shouting lines at And yeah, Peter Parker just ruined Mary Jane's, you know, performance on display. Jordan, do you like Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane in the series? More in the second one than I do the first one. Really? Yeah. Um, I just think she's okay in the first one. I, I don't think she's fantastic, but I, I find her really charming in this one. I'm kind of the other way around. I, really? Yeah. I kind of I, I kind of appreciate what she did more in the first movie than this movie. I don't think she's bad in this movie, but for some reason I kind of had this lingering thought of not liking Kirsten Dunst after the first movie for some reason. that I can't quite wrap my head around why, but I don't know. Maybe because she used every man in that movie for her own ends? Yeah, as Scott was talking about, she's a horrible girlfriend, that's for sure. <laughs> she cheats on every guy she's with in the movie. And she's decent in the third movie. I mean, she's not given too much to do. You just cry. Well, everyone cries in the third movie. It's like watching an episode of the OC. A dramatic episode of the OC. <laughs> Mary Jane's performance of The Important of Being Earnest was performed and filmed at the Ivar Theater in Hollywood. Hmm. The more you know. <laughs> the original title for this this movie was The Amazing Spider-Man. That was good. I remember that going around for a while too, and then they changed it to Spider-Man too. Yeah, I, I wonder why they did that. Probably because it's not that amazing when you deal with all the stuff that Peter Parker's going through. <laughs> it's like, why is this movie called The Amazing Spider-Man? It's just Peter Parker getting shit on for like an hour and twenty minutes before he. <laughs> Like the Spider-Man stuff. But then he's amazing at the end. Yes, he, he has to earn it. That's why I think it should have been called Spider-Man 2, how Peter Parker got his groove back. That's a more amazing title. <laughs> What's your name, Scruffy? Scruffy the Garbage Man. I found something for you. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> What was his name? He's like, okay. what is it, how, how much does he give? He's like, I'll give you 20 dollars or something. 
Uh, Robbie's like generally upset about this. Like he just he really cares about Spider Man. <laughs> I want to see his movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has a. I mean, the comics. He's a really good character. Like, yeah. Oh, there's a fact about this violinist. Let me see if I can find it. The violinist, Elise Ding, begins playing the old theme song for Spider-Man. When she sings it for the second time, new lyrics are added to the tune. Well, yeah, we just heard that. Andrew's Peter Parker, not helping this person. I think Mr. Incredible's in the building above him, also not helping this person. <laughs> <laughs> they are just beating this guy, by the way. Yeah, that is a brutal beating. <laughs> It was just grab his stuff and go, you know. But no, they're gonna beat the crap out of him. Like, <laughs> I, there's like, there's not being Spider-Man, but there's also you could help this person. Like, start yelling police or something. At one time during pre-production, Sam Raimi had 12 storyboard artists working for him. He really wanted to do that subway scene. That's like the, the biggest thing you wanted to, to get done in this film. Oh, that's oh, such a good scene. So, yeah, it's, it's a great action sequence. Can't wait to get to sure that. Uh, that's oh, yeah. I'm sure the scene we just saw on the side of the building was heavily storyboarded, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the, <laughs> the beating of that guy. <laughs> But yeah, no, the the yeah the first fight yeah the first fight the the various spider like Peter Parker uh, jumping over the car and stuff like that and just like yeah all, yeah all these sequences are I mean they're thought out like I've said the action's really good in this with the effects and the action are just they're top notch in this film. Oh, there it is. Ver veteran screenwriter Alvin Sargent, 73 at the time the film was made, was brought in to perform a script polish and a as a personal favor for his producer and wife is Laura Ziskin. And so this is this is that like that sequence where Peter Parker, you know, confesses what happened with Uncle Ben that night, and it really works because Toe McGuire, he really nails the sequence, and so does uh, Rosemary Harris to an extent, just in given the reaction she has and how the scenes played out, and it 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 certainly piles on the drama that's seen in this film. There is quite a bit. This is this is the most character drama heavy of the Spider-Man films, I believe, and it. It works. Like it, it doesn't feel like too superfluous. It doesn't feel like I'm getting taken too far away from a Spider-Man story. It's just a, it's a nice sequence that kind of it adds it adds kind of layers to the to this movie, and it's nice. It's it's effective. 
Yeah, it's really genuinely moving. I feel. And yeah, it does feel appropriate to the story. Like this is certainly. I mean, it's there's there's more well, there's more there's better action in this movie, but there's also more dramatic material too. And I can see why that turns off some people. Maybe even though I mean, this is generally regarded as a better sequel and you know one of the better sequels ever. But uh, it's 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 it help it works in this movie. Like it's 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 a uh, it's impactful stuff that's happening. <laughs> Well, if you don't have the gravitas between the characters, you just don't care about the action sequence. It just becomes like another cartoon, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. you, you end up becoming emotionally invested in everyone, and that's that's what really speaks to the greatness of the movie more than the effects or even the incredible fight sequences or whatever. I mean, you, you care about the, you know their motivations, and you care about them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Raimi is always good with characters. Oh, definitely. I, I forgot about this. That Jake Gyllenhaal was lined up to play Spider-Man uh, because uh, I guess Tobey Maguire had some really bad back problems. Yeah, yeah, from a Sea Biscuit. And like Kirsten Dunst, I believe, was dating Jake Gyllenhaal at the time. Mm-hmm. Were they in a movie together? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Let's see. Were they in a movie together? There was, uh, there was Bill, uh, Jordan and I said this yesterday, uh, Bill Paxton's father plays the butler. What? All right. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay, it's actually just Bill Paxton in old age. <laughs> Even better. He's wearing the old age makeup guy Pierce had left over from yeah. Prometheus. <laughs> Even in Spider Man 3, the characters are well developed. I would agree. Well, it's very character centric in that. Oh, well, yeah, that's, yeah. Kirsten Dunst was in Mona Lisa Smile with Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Can't find Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Doc Ock wears his sunglasses at night. It's because he has octo he has octovision, so he needs the sunglasses to, to balance that out. Octovision. <laughs> You're just bit by radioactive octopus. That yeah, that was that was the original origin story, of course, for Doctor Octopus, but they figured that'd be too ridiculous. God, Harry's hair is—it's—it's <laughs> it's so up. It's so feathered. Oh, yeah, but yeah, his last words to Dr. Octopus, by the way, are, don't hurt Peter, which is, you know, this happens before Dr. Octopus throws a giant cab into a coffee shop and nearly destroys everybody. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that.
Uh, another horrific fire is going on. So. And there's Mackay Pfeiffer's double. <laughs> this ain't no movie. There's no Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> Is there a fire in the third movie? Because I like to think that Sam Raimi just really went um, right out the burning. Buildings. I don't think so. <laughs> no. Okay. There's that crane smashing into the building. That's what destroys it. Yeah. One of those scenes. <laughs> Classic case of cranes smashing the buildings. I like uh, Crane 2 high voltage. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so, who leaves their baby in the closet in a fire? <laughs> illegals. That's who. Illegals. <laughs> the fire sequence in the first one is a lot of fun. It is. I've forgotten how much uh, fun it is. And it looks pretty good too, actually. Yeah, yeah it does. Given my qualms with the effects in the in the first film, that the fire sequence actually that's a fun sequence. It's, it is. It's one of the better sequences. It's a little. I mean, because it's at that point there's the parents, by the way, who left their child. The uh, we should have left them in the closet during a fire. I wish one of I wish one of them was Daniel Day Kim again, or actually B.D. Wong. <laughs> but yeah, one of the. I mean, the fire sequence is fun, but it does come at a place where Green Goblin's just being a dick for no reason, it seems, as opposed to having actual motives. It's just like, I'm just going to mess with Spider-Man. Bye, anonymous hero. Well, they put that fire out and kept the building intact, so that's nice. Is that the same fireman from the first movie? I don't know. I just recall a, a mustache. mustache. I think this mustache, awesome. mustache guy looks familiar. And of course, Peter Parker can't get a break because someone died on the fourth floor of the fire. It's just sad. It's not like, hey, you see that baby? That's awesome. It's not somebody died on the fourth floor. And yeah, then this, I just, here it comes, okay, so this is this scene, right? I believe this is the chocolate cake sequence, the chocolate cake scene, where um, she knocks on the door, and, hmm. yeah, 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 and, I, by the way, I, I think this, I think she's kind of adorable in what she has to do. <laughs> she, like, has this little crush of Peter Parker, and she's, just her walking in, and she knocks and comes in, and, But just this whole scene, this is a scene that's completely like in any other movie, it'd be unnecessary. Like you'd just be edited out completely. But it's nice. It gives the movie a chance to take take a breath, and it's it just kind of adds more time for Peter to think and more for I guess the audience to consider Peter Parker's kind of his emotional state at this point in the film. And just you know, he takes a rest from Doc Ock's crazy plot and Peter Parker constantly getting dumped on to happen so he can have like a he can share a slice of cake with this neighbor next door that likes him 
There should be a scene with him at the therapist just bawling. <laughs> I give and I give and I give. He can't, he can't afford therapy. So he has midriff apartment girl next door. <laughs> By the way. Also looks out the window and talks to himself. Yeah, that helps too. By the way, I should not say this, but this girl, this actress is in the series Hung with Thomas Jane and she's quite naked in that series. In one episode. Just saying. I was like, that's weird now that I've seen her that way. <laughs> <laughs> Getting plowed by Thomas Jane, am I right? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm with you. <laughs> Just want my kids back. I'm sorry, that's an Arrested Development joke for Thomas Jane. What was that kid's name? I did. I missed the subtitle. Like Tom Thomas Henry or something like that. I don't know. I think it's like, I think his name was like Thomas Henry. <laughs> I always find that funny just because like they they gave him they gave time to it in the script to like give him like a, a full name. It's like is that your little Thomas Henry from next door? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just like is that Joe? It's Thomas Henry. <laughs> and yeah, okay, so we get the the back half of the married uh, the Aunt May scene here where she talks to peter about what he told her and it's a good scene like these these are good actors like making scenes work in a on a dramatic level in what is ostensibly a huge blockbuster film that comes out in the middle of summer yeah it really evolves the characters and stories and yeah. it's the difference between uh i guess x-men 2 and x-men 3 when dealing with the characters yeah like jim said you got to care about them there's a question which do you do you, do you like X-Men 2 more or Spider-Man 2 more? Oh, Spider-Man 2. I would, yeah, I would say Spider-Man 2. Jim? I don't know. I would I would have to watch X-Men 2 again. I I really enjoyed that when it came out, and I kind of put that at like a high water mark. I mean, they're, they're both very close. I mean, as, as I'm watching this, I would say Spider-Man 2, though. But yeah. now you're piquing my interest. I have to go back and watch X-Men 2 again to compare. Uh, yeah. You know, when X-Men 2 came out, I loved it. And I watched it last year, uh, preparing for first class, and I I didn't like it as much. I didn't connect with it uh, um, in, in the way that I did when it uh, first came out. I, I agree, and I think it does have its problems, but it's kind of on that, like, it's certainly a good movie, and it kind of cheated, oh, yeah. it kind of cheated because it's like, let's put Nightcrawler in there because that's Aaron's favorite mutant, so obviously he's going to love this movie. So it did that and destroyed me, but... Yeah, when I, it's kind of that thing where like comparing Alien to Aliens, where I'm like, I really love Alien because I don't see any problems with it. Aliens, I have, pro I can find, I can see flaws in it, but it's still a damn good movie. That's where I'm at with X Men, where it's a damn good movie, but it has some issues. I mean, there's like 27 characters in that movie. <laughs> like... Although X Men Two is another good example of how they up the ante from the first X Men film. Oh yeah, and that said, I still I think I like I like X two more than X Men First Class, and I really like X Men First Class a lot. I yeah, think I, I like X Men two better than First Class as well. Although I, I went with you, First Class was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, quite I, a bit. I, yeah. I, I feel like the thing if X Men First Class had like you know like two or three months more work done with like the post production and just like tightening up the script a little bit because there's some kind of wanky dialogue in there, I think it could have been like a perfect film. 
like the effects could have been tightened up involving like Emma Frost and some of the other stuff and another pass at the screenplay could have helped smooth some things out and then that movie would have been like absolutely perfect to me yeah I, I, I agree completely. But it was so it's such a rushed movie that I was surprised it was as good as it was. Like remember that remember how fast track that movie was? Yeah, they oof. It was like kick ass came out. Yeah, it's like kick ass came out, Matthew Vaughn signs on for, for um expert first class in like August, and then it comes out the next June. It was like, wow. I don't know how this pulled what paid off so well, but it did. <laughs> Big part of it was the casting too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you put Mike, Michael Fassbender, who's obviously amazing, and James McAvoy, who's almost almost under underpraised just because of how good Michael Fassbender is and everything. But those two actors, and Kevin Bacon, too, who I really liked. In, as I was going to say, you got to give props to Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. The, the biggest wild card factor for me when I was like, wow, Kevin Bacon's amazing in this movie. <laughs> like, Although I didn't like, um, what's her name? Uh, Hunger Games Girl. Jennifer Lawrence, I agree. I did not I, like I do not like Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique in that movie. That's yeah. the main issue I have. And January Jones, but I think we all have that same problem. <laughs> Let's get back. Oh yeah, January Jones. Yeah, she certainly played the Ice Queen very well. Let's uh, let's get back to Spider Man Two though. Okay. Uh, Peter Parker destroys his like again. Yeah. Somehow he doesn't have his powers yet. He survives that horrifically terrible <laughs> fall just then. <laughs> And then here's the back joke because this this was this joke was made because of the fact that there were rumors going around that Jake Gyllenhaal could have replaced him because of Tobey Maguire's back issues. That's why this scene exists. A <laughs> hundred alterations, minor alterations were made to the Spider-Man suit since the first film. Thirty-five suits were made overall for this movie. And this is the scene where John Jameson's completely trying to put he's trying to he's trying to subtly suggest that Mary Jane needs to service him in some way. That's that's the, that's the idea that I get from this scene all the time. He's, you gotta break an astronaut brother off a piece. Right? He's 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 <laughs> he, he's sitting very specifically where I'm like, he wants some right now, and he's trying to empathize with her to get that. And he's like, all right, I, I like where this is going. I'll put my head back. Who plays this guy? Who plays John Jameson? Daniel Gillies. He's on The Vampire Diaries, I guess. That's a show? I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> Vampires are very popular with the young people. I've heard this. Huh. Yeah, not many, not many credits to John Jameson's name here. I guess besides the, uh... yeah. Okay, so now we're getting this sequence here, which, uh, yeah, obviously has more dialogue added onto the front of it, but it's going to lead to the amazingly ridiculous Doc Ock invades on a conversation in the most blunt way possible. <laughs> But this, of course, follows Peter Parker destroying Mary Jane in some manner. 
I'm sorry, Mary Jane. I'm I'm uh, with the girl who brought me the cake. I'm sorry. He completely is. It's really kind of sad, too, just like just based on the trajectories of both these characters and how, once again, Peter Parker's like, not so fast, Mary Jane. <laughs> Even though Mary Jane is ostensibly trying to cheat on her fiancé right now. You know, the, the astronaut who could, you know, provide her with all the love and money she needs for the rest of her life. That That astronaut. I don't know about the wishy-washiness of Peter on the Mary, you know, remarry Jane, you know, between the first and second movie. You know, first he, he can't think of anything else but being with her, and now he's like, you know, I can't be with her, and it's just, I don't know, it's very soap opera to me, you know. I mean, it's not that it doesn't ring true or anything, it just, um, I'm, I'm kind of glad at some point this conversation gets punctuated by an automobile being thrown through a plate glass window, <laughs> is all I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, Kirsten Dunn sells that. I'll get, I'll give you that one, Jordan. She, she sells this scene right here because the lip, the lip quiver and her being just brokenhearted once again. Yeah, and this is good for the teaser. I, I like that whole thing. Fairly non-traditional teaser, by the way, too, for Spider-Man Two, because it's just literally this sequence, I believe. Right? It's like. And then they showed. Is the spider sense tingling because he's about to kiss Mary Jane? No, no, it's because of the giant car. Like, but in the teaser, I don't think think they show much footage from the. They just they they show a scene of um, they show like Spider Man, and then it pans way out to Doctor Octopus, but they don't actually show footage. Well, it's a teaser, so I guess they never really do that anyway. But it is like it's an individual scene, which I kind of like, opposed to kind of like some something that's not in the film or some kind of you know, vague references to the fact that Spider-Man 2 is coming. It's like just an actual scene from the film that really gives a lot. It gives two characters that you know from the first film. It gives some action, as ridiculous as it may be, and it introduces the villain. But then didn't it cut to like a bunch of scenes from the movie with I, the, uh, with the uh, theme? I don't believe the teaser does. I think it just, I mean, the trailers obviously would, but I don't, I, the, oh, yeah. the teaser, I think it just, it literally, it, like it's this scene, for, like a, a, a portion of it not like the whole all of the sequence it, but then it, and then it just cuts to like spider-man like swinging through the air and then it pans out to doc ock which is coming up soon where oh, okay i'll put the teaser in the show notes so feel the flesh off a boat this, this is where he throws presumably a mortal man named peter parker into a wall where he could have basically crushed his body I love that smile. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a creepy smile. And that's why he wears sunglasses, because you don't have to show his eyes with the visual effects that way. Mary Jane looks like all kinds of ridiculous in the, <laughs> the CG version of her. <laughs> yes! I got my oh, mojo I'm back! Now. My mojo, baby. Ruined my sweater. I only have like four clothes.
<laughs> Let me put these back on just to make sure. Yes. I'm never ever gonna need them again. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably yeah, I'll never need them again, so I might as well just throw them on the street too. So are you going to the uh, Midnight Amazing Spider-Man to get the uh, exclusive IMAX poster? I'm going to the Midnight Spider-Man so I can see Spider-Man at Midnight. I'll also get the poster, yes. <laughs> Takes the suit. <laughs> Leaves a note. <laughs> Zoom out. Nice shot with a spinning newspaper and the tighter. That's great. Spinning newspaper, which just always brings me to like the Simpsons joke of spinning newspapers running rampant. <laughs> yeah, like this is in the teaser. It shows like this and then it just zooms way out like it's doing right now into Dr. Octopus's sunglasses. Which I think is awesome, by the way. Yeah, I think that's, a good that's a great way to set up a sequence. And this now now, really confident. Yeah, now we're now we're getting to like the key like action scene in this film. This is the one they're like, yeah, this this is just an amazing amazing action scene. And I'm not about to say it's seamless because I mean it's it's 2004 effects and like it looks great. But it's still nice to see there is a lot of practical effects mixed with the, the CG effects in this. Mm -hmm. And didn't uh, Van Helsing come out like a month prior to this? <laughs> yes. And yeah, you, you compare two films and it's just phenomenal. Van Helsing was my Spider, as we I kind of established yesterday uh, in the previous commentary, Spider-Man came out like on the week of my birthday because it's like the first week of May is the week of my birthday mm -hmm. and so Van Helsing was the film that came out on the week of my birthday that year <laughs> it was my birthday movie and that's still one of my I'm so sorry I like... I'm so sorry <laughs> okay I, I like Van Helsing because it was one of my favorite movie going experiences because I had me and like about 10 of my friends all sitting in like towards the front row of Van Helsing like all together and we were having like a blast watching it while everyone else in the theater for some reason was taking the movie like deathly serious but let's not talk about Van Helsing, because that's a whole different thing. I love this fight on the train. Just when they, like, they both bend backwards because the the, 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 the bridge is right there. This thing where Spider-Man jumps through the, the bridge. Like, all of this stuff is awesome. Fighting so awesome. this is extended on the 2.1? Slightly extended, yes. There's a, oh. there's a few more beats, yeah. Oh. And this stuff fighting on the side of a train. Like, this is just fantastic. And it's still, to this day... Yeah, it looks great. It's exciting than most films that are coming out currently. Right here, boom! This, yeah, all of that stuff is awesome. Spidey ass shot right there. <laughs> this is just a great scene. <laughs> he's definitely got the real like Spider-Man poses. I mean, he's definitely got the the body language of Spider-Man down. It's not the clumsy Spider-Man of Spider-Man One, you know. Sure. He's, uh, I love, he's I more love confident this. now. He's got his mojo back. This, yeah, Spidey sliding on the ground like that. All of this is just really cool. And it really is a great payoff to, like, 
the half hour of, of character building that was going on. For sure, yeah, because you, you're so with Peter Parker at this point, you just and you yeah. him getting his powers back, all that stuff. It just pays off in like making these fights meet like mean something, opposed to just being mm -hmm. another like effects extravaganza. Which oh, it, yeah. it both is, but it has that emotional you know that emotional connection too, because you just really whip the the character here. Oh wow, that was, <laughs> that was violent. Wow. Spider-Man saving those citizens is pretty cool, by the way, too. Just spinning webs and catching those guys. Just like flies. Look out. <laughs> Speed indicator. Yep. Now we got the uh, take, taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 scene, right? <laughs> this hysterical train conductor, although he, he's rightfully hysterical. And now we have part two of Spider-Man loses his mask. Again. Yeah, guy just can't keep his mask on in these movies. There's my doppelganger Phil Lamar in the uh, in the train. As <laughs> <laughs> frightened passenger. My, uh, just, just not necessary to say, but my, one of my nicknames in college was Phil, because I, I people thought I looked like Phil Lamar. <laughs> one person, one Phil Lamar, man, so many great cartoon voices. I know, it, it was, I, I certainly took no offense to that, because Phil Lamar's awesome, he's, he's Samurai Jack, he's, he's, a, he's a lot of things, and he's Marvin, he got shot in the face, in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, look at Phil Lamar's acting. Just really selling it, right? Oh, God. This is rough for Spider-Man. With all that said, when he does hit the end of this thing, the, that's where the effects look the clunkiest. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you, you'll see right here when he kind of he breaks through the barrier right here, and it's like... Mainly just the first shot. It looks fine, but... It's, <laughs> it's just like, how do you do this and make it look amazing? <laughs> It helps that, you know, I'm emotionally connected to Spider-Man where I'm like, he's fucking risking his life right now to save these people. And this is that kind of, all the New Yorkers band together to save Spider-Man scene again, just like in the first movie. <laughs> With added Christ subtext, I guess. Yeah, the way it was spread out in front of the, the subway car. I hesitated to say that. But. It, I mean, it's there. Like, right here. It's like right here, this shot. <laughs> I am kind of annoyed that his mask is off and all this. It's just. 
irritating to me. <laughs> I need my mask, guys! Hey, man. Am I pulling off this beard? <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> you want to hear some uh, novelization differences from the Spider-Man 2 from the movie and the book? Of course. Let's see, let's see. Doc Ock thinks he's helping Aunt May by giving her a quick death rather than the slow one of old age. That's a weird little one right there. <laughs> Uncle Ben appears to Peter frequently rather than, a single, than in a single dream sequence. Um, when Doc Ock tries to rob the bank and Peter abandons Aunt May, she assumes that the reason he runs away was to call the police rather than out of cowardice. Um, I was going to say, the whole time they're having this touching moment, Doc Ock has killed like 200 people. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> I like where he just pummels him in the face right here, too. Yeah, first he, first he swipes at all of these people, which is hilarious. <laughs> now he just, like, knocks Spider-Man in the face, right? He's... Jeez. <laughs> God. It's not going to break. Meanwhile, at Evil Incorporated. That's still one of my favorite fights ever. I think it's, it's so well done. Yeah. I, would I think it's, it's definitely up there. Just a... The, the emotion that's behind it and the urgent the the urgency meaning of it the payoff it, it's all perfect I need to borrow your 20 sided dice I'm playing D&D tonight <laughs> Doc Ock's so sneaky by the way <laughs> he gets the thing product place maker's mark let me just get my letter opener I'm going to open your envelope, Spider-Man. If you remember, this is the shot that ended the uh, theatrical trailer <laughs> when you pulled the mask off and then it cut to Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I remember that. Let me just get this barbed wire off me. This is a neat fact. 
According to Stan Lee, Spider-Man wears a mask so his enemies couldn't see his fear. Hmm. I like that line that uh, Peter Parker said right there, by the way. Uh, there are bigger things here than you and me. But why didn't he just not uh, deny killing his father? Because he really didn't. His father was going to kill himself. Because Spider-Man, as we learned, he, he really upholds his promise to... Uh... To, to not reveal, to, to not tell Harry, as he told them. That was his dying wish. It's by, Peter Parker's a strickler for, for a stickler for dying wishes. It takes the butler to, it takes, to deliver the news. It takes Mr. Paxton to deliver the news, correct? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mr. Paxton, Cedar. <laughs> The alley where Peter bumps his Spider-Man suit is supposed to be the same one where he kissed MJ upside down in the first film. I'll say this last battle after that train sequence is like, it, it, you know, it's a little bit of a downgrade, but it's still fun. It's yeah, still, still cool. And, you know, there's more Kirsten Dunn's nips in this scene, so... It's... <laughs> He's really pummeling Dr. Octopus, by the way. He just beats the hell out of him. Okay, this is a kind of funny thing I just read. The violinist who crops up throughout the movie serenading Spider-Man had an additional scene that was deleted from the film. When Harry hears her from the balcony of his father's townhouse, he pours a glass of scotch on her. I want to see that scene. Huh. That would be fine. Make her smart scotch. <laughs> Let me just hit you with this. No, you're a woman. You can't hit me. I'm Dr. Octopus. <laughs> That's what was going through his mind. And, of course, the one thing that stops sentient tentacles from owning your body is, you know, electric shock therapy. The power of the sun! What, what, what's the, what's the end game if Dr. Ock succeeds in this? What? Does he just have, like, his own personal son? I don't know. I don't know what he's trying to, I guess. Originally, they were trying to come up with limitless energy, weren't they? They were trying to come up with a new energy. Exactly, yeah. They just wanted to prove that he was right, I guess. I like this, this part right here where Alfred Molina is, like, brilliant but lazy. Yeah, that's perfect. Like, Alfred Molina is just great in this movie just because he's able to switch character like that and just be like, ah, oh, he's Spider-Man. <laughs> like... 
And I also like when he tough talks his tentacle. The motivations between the villain uh, of the first two movies are pretty similar. Yeah, as in just kind of be a dick to everybody else around them. Super science gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Oh, and once again, Spider-Man's mask is off. I mean, who doesn't know he's Spider-Man in this movie? I was going to say, man, his, his mask has been off more than on, I think, in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get to the scene where, where Mary Jane sees Peter Parker as Spider-Man, and that's very satisfying, just kind of... There's there's a there's an emotion that just it's just like ah oh, that everyone gets it right now because of this. We're gonna have to cross the streams. Yep. Maker's Mark appears in most of Sam Raimi's movies. This is the only Spider-Man film without a funeral scene at the end. Of these three movies, I guess. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> that means someone dies in the Amazing Spider-Man. We'll see. I said of these three movies. <laughs> I uh, I recall watching the uh, the making of featurettes on the DVD for this movie, and um, the the they did I, there there was a lot of work put into the final scene of Doctor Octopus where he's underwater and you know dead. Here's that Kirsten Dunst reacting to Peter Parker being Spider Man, which I think is she's so, okay. Jordan, I'll give you this. Kirsten Dunst is quite good in this movie. She's she's pretty good. Yeah, I, for, I think for what she's for what she's for what she's, for what she's given to do. Yeah. Yeah. And she sells all her moments. She does. I, yeah, I'll give you that. Oh, I saw her panties. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love this line is great, too. This is really heavy. It's, like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he was building that because... Like, okay, weren't the arms created to kind of control that They're machine? They were created so he could build the sun without, you know, harming yeah. himself. So I guess they were just doing what what they were meant to do, yeah. I guess. Or else it would really have no purpose. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, he still has no purpose for, like, what's the what happens then? Like, he's well, just yeah, destroying sure. everything. But I'm, I'm talking about... And like, it's a failed experiment that he's trying to, he's trying to make it bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, the artificial intelligence in the arms didn't know that, so... Well, they just... They just enhance his ego. Like, that's what they do. Like, they just, they, or his super ego. I, I don't know the, the correct term. <laughs> here we go. Here here comes here comes a horrible rotoscoping right here. Because, like, they're on a green screen, and that's not really behind them. <laughs> a cheesy shot. That's, that's kind of, that's a cheesy shot. But, but, so is this shot, too, yeah. What has he pivoted to? <laughs> but... Okay, so here's this scene where 
they they really spent a lot of time to make like a fully rendered Doctor Octopus, which is pretty impressive for two thousand four for having a, a completely human character in CGI. That was pretty good. And their big solution to shut it down is to dump it into the ocean. Of course. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad that it's you the uh, Transformers solution. Mary Jane's like so hot right now for Spider-Man. You see him crawling up to him like that. No, you didn't. Well, Peter Parker, if you leave your mask on, Spider-Man's not going to... Your enemies aren't going to find out who you are, and you don't have to worry about this. Well, there are all those people on subway train. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure, like, Phil Lamar becomes Electro, that big fat guy becomes the Rhino, the little kid becomes Scorpion, the other kid becomes Mysterio, another kid becomes Kraven. So, yeah, I guess, you know, everyone knows who he is. By the way, kudos to Marvel for and the Spider-Man films for, like, you know, using the villains that they have. I mean, how many Superman films are we going to see with Lex Luthor, yet we have all... The Spider-Man film is, like, making good use of its rogues gallery. Yeah, it's true. I'd say Spider-Man after Batman probably has less rogues gallery in all of comics. For sure. Oh, yeah, agreed. Batman, I would say, would be number one, though. Yeah, because Batman... Yeah, well, I, I love the... Like, yeah, I mean... I'm a huge Two Face fan. I'm a huge Harvey Dent fan in general, but and you know Batman's most of my life. But yeah, Spider-Man, very very great uh, Rogues Gallery. Just all these, and they're very memorable. Like you, you know all of them. Like when when was the last Spider-Man game that didn't have a, a level where you had to you know not have the Rhino involved in some capacity? I would have loved to have seen uh, Ben Kingsley as the Vulture. That would have been, yeah, I, I, I'd be very curious to see what Sam Raimi would have done with Spider-Man 4. Gandolfini is the rhino? Yes. <laughs> Harvey Keitel is a Brian Cranston is a Mysterio. Yeah, that would be good. I remember, like, Bruce Campbell was rumored for the longest time to be playing Mysterio in the movie. That's right, yeah. Which would have made sense. I mean, yeah, given, like, he's, like, a failed actor kind of thing. Like... All right, I could have seen, like, who could have been, like, Carnage? I guess Rorschach. I guess Jackie or Laylee could have played Carnage. Get, um, Leif Schreiber. Yeah. I remember people were flipping out during this scene in the theaters. Oh, yeah. Get an Idris Elba as the rhino. <laughs> no, he'd be, um... He'd be, what's the guy's name? The, um... Jim, do you know the the guy that's like has like silver skin that did, like does he like he's invincible? Um, uh, that like tombs tombstone 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 yeah. Viggo Mortensen as Craven the Hunter. <laughs> Heath Ledger as the Hobgoblin. What? Whoops. Sorry. 
But yeah, this is a this is a surprise in theaters when I saw this. I was like, oh, all right, Willem Dafoe's here, and it's really angry. This <laughs> gave Harry some weird closure in terms of the secret laboratory behind the mansion. He wasn't in the third movie, was he? Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Does he have a cameo? I don't think so. Does, does he not have like a brief like? By the way, Harry, remember, always, always floss or something like what? <laughs> he may. I, Man, that, look how ill retentive the Green Goblin is. Right. All of his bombs like neatly lined up, all dusted on glass slot and uh, glass um, shelves. Well, Bill Paxton is OCG. a good Yeah, Bill, Bill, Bill Paxton's father's a great butler. That's all I'm worried about. <laughs> Okay, you know, yeah, Willem Dafoe is in Spider-Man 3. He does, like, one scene where he's kind of, like, just there to encourage him. Oh, okay. We'll watch it tomorrow, Jordan, or sometime, and we'll find out for sure. It's what you refer to as the graduate ending. Yeah, coming up, yes. Wow. Quite the, the setup for this wedding. <laughs> Notice he's wearing green on his tuxedo. Harry, Harry Osborne is. Yeah. I assume he has like three pumpkin bombs in his pants too. Simmons, <laughs> <laughs> I love the line at the end of the scene. Yeah, they called caterer. <laughs> I wish there was a scene of uh, Mary Jane's drunken father at the wedding as well. Just like, let's go out of here. You don't deserve him. I like this angry look that he gives. (laughs) (laughs) Soft focus running. And there she is. By the way, Parker, what was he doing in this room beforehand? Like, he's just sitting there sad. <laughs> Staring out the windows, forlorn. Probably, you know, reading some poetry once again. Yeah, Dunst didn't sell me until this movie. The first one, I was just like, hmm. But I thought she did a, pretty, a really good job in this one.
it speaks to how much of a character piece it really is that like this is the ending of the movie not the big explosion not the you know what i mean not the cops showing up to say you know to get her off that giant web not all that this is the end the, the payoff between these two yeah it brings it back down to the characters and it, it's it's a fine epilogue to the film which you know had all these amazing spider-man sequences and it you know it brings it back down to it's about peter parker and uh mary jane and you know they're their romance at the core of this of this story. That said, if Peter Parker just, you know, just didn't say no to Mary Jane at the end of the first movie, we could have avoided a lot of this, but... <laughs> and everyone's happy. Well, except for the caterer at the Jameson affair. Yeah. And then she says, go get him, Tiger. And that's great. That's it. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, Dunst. You, you did it. <laughs> Dunsty. Jumanji's Kristen Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. You did it. And this is, uh, this this is, is amazing. Yeah. This is yeah. one of the greatest endings. It is. And he's, it's, it's, it's total like Peter Parker's completely happy being Spider-Man. Mixed with the confidence of the camera showing Spider-Man swinging through the city. The third movie does not have this, which annoyed me again. Yeah. It, it just shows how, mu how much better the Spider-Man looks in the special effects department, too. For sure. Uh, than the first movie. And even with the cheesy effects right there, it still looks beautiful. It, it's fantastic. Uh, poor Mary Jane. It has that, that there's, there we go, there's that graduate ending of what now? Well, that's what the film's about, about sacrifice and Making choices. And yeah. Dashboard confessional songs. Exactly. <laughs> that too. We can leave that last bit out, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> Joel McHale, Hal Sparks, Daniel Day Kim, all, all in the same, right next to each other in the credits. <laughs> John, Paxton, John Paxton. John Paxton. And John Landis. Wait, what was the ending of Spider-Man 3? What was the last shot? It's Peter Parker, like, comes in and and kind of... Basically, Peter Parker apologizes to Mary Jane without saying anything. They just kind of embrace and start slow dancing and face Oh, that's one. right. Which yeah. is... It's kind of... It's, like, fine in a thematic sense in terms of what they're trying to do in that movie, but there's just so much going on in that movie where it doesn't... It doesn't, it doesn't quite earn it to an extent. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, or it would have been more satisfying, you know, seeing Spider Man swing to the air. So, I remember people booing at the end of Spider Man Three. See, I didn't get like I didn't I didn't get the Spider Man Three hate while I was watching the movie. It more happened kind of after the like the week later when people then for me that's when people started to react like, what was that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, I remember when cool. I saw this movie in the theater, it, people cheered at the end. But I remember seeing Spider-Man 3 in the theater the opening week, and people did not cheer. It just kind of ended. Everybody yeah. got up and left. I haven't seen a cheer like that since probably uh, the Avengers trailer at the end of Captain America. That was a, a, a huge... I mean, I, went, I was there on a midnight uh, premiere, and the crowd went crazy. All right, yeah. so what, what, Jordan? Yeah. With yeah, getting back to people cheering, I think the Avengers um, is like one of the 
greater cinematic reactions I've I've uh, experienced since Spider-Man Two. I'd say Dark Knight. <laughs> Even Dark Knight, you know, people applauded, but it wasn't as loud and and just energetic as it was with Avengers or Spider-Man Two. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it could have been different. For yeah, for, for me, it was a little bit like that. Even Inception, for whatever reasons, it got like some pretty amazing audience reactions in that movie. Just trying to think of key ones. Avatar, too, actually. People were silent after Avatar. People just left. I, a lot of people, every time I saw Avatar, people loved that movie in my theater. And I like Avatar a lot. I, I'm yes, a big fan of Avatar. But I, I was like in the right like theaters every time I saw Avatar. And I saw it like, I think I saw it three times total in IMAX. And every time people were just really exci- excited watching Avatar. They're just really into it. And that made me happy. Surprisingly, Speed Racer, people were um, energetic about that movie. It's funny, you bring that up. Me, Jim, Scott, and I all talked about how much we love Speed Racer on, yeah, on the commentary before. Yeah. My theater talk, was. Talk about an underrated movie. Yeah, for sure. My theater wasn't packed when I saw Speed Racer. I saw it like at the late, a late showing on a, Saturday, on, like a, on, on a Sunday night, so like it wasn't very crowded. Yeah, I saw it opening night, and people, people went crazy for it. And a week later, Pretty much with the, your experience with the number three is when I realized people didn't like the movie. The the, the 16 people that saw it in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember we went, in the, we went in the afternoon on a weekday. I think it was like the Monday after it opened because, you know, we didn't want to have to deal with the crowds of kids that we assumed would be going. And uh, I think we were only like four or five of us in the theater. For Speed Racer. Yeah. Oh, and then The Happening. People went nuts for that. Oh, yeah, The Happening. Like, <laughs> were, like people were just standing up with the screen seats, just, like, raising their hands, just going, ah! Like, it's happening! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how, in, that, they're just, just into it. I mean, I... Tell your mother I said hello. I, I happened to see it in D-Box 3D as well, so people just into The Happening at the time. All right, the movie Step Up 3D. Don't don't that's a whole different discussion because I have a strong spot for this I have a sweet spot for the Step Up movies. But that's another conversation for another time. The movie is ended <laughs> at this point. Let's um let's wrap this one up here. Uh that's going to do it this week for Out Now Apparent today for this special bonus commentary episode. You can find more of my work of course at the codezeek.com. You can find all, all my written movie reviews there as well as at whysoblue.com and at twitter.com/aaronsps3. Follow me on Twitter. Um uh, Jordan you can read my reviews at damndirtyblog.blogspot.com, and I just finished a, a TED review, so I'll be posting that oh, cool. later, later tonight. Jim? Sweet. You can catch out our podcasting network at legionofdudes.com. Uh, I'm a part of the Legion of Dudes uh, podcast and the Walking Dead TV podcast, and uh, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, of course, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Farron and Abe on iTunes at hhwlod.com. And you can, of course, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. If you like these commentaries, you know, say so in an email. That'd be nice just because we like – it's fun to do these, but we're aware that these are probably not the most popular of episodes. Although I do hear people do tend to want listen to them, so whatever. And, of course, Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast and Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast where you can follow our pages and, you know, get all the latest updates and what have you on the show. 
Uh, this was our Spider-Man 2 commentary. We also had a Spider-Man 1 commentary. We probably will not do a Spider-Man 3 commentary, but we will have an episode for The Amazing Spider-Man in uh, a couple weeks from now, which will probably have uh, Jordan from Jersey from the uh, Legion of Dudes and Walking Dead TV podcast, I believe. Um, so, you know, shout out to, to, George, to that. Jordan. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, until next time, so long and goodbye. Goodbye. Good night. Dunsty.